Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning again, church family. It's always such a joy to get to be here, and I hope that that is... uh... How you feel every time we get to gather together with our church family. It is just a delight. It's always an encouragement to see you to see you here. So thank you for being here. Thank you for singing along. And uh, just such a wonderful opportunity we have to lift our voices together and to proclaim just the wonder of who God is. So those were very fun songs as we, as we think about the opportunity we have every day of our lives to celebrate the reality of the gospel in our lives. You know, sometimes I think the longer we've been in church, we almost kind of think that we outgrow the gospel, you know, like that was something that happened to us a long time ago, but now we're at this new phase of our spiritual journey, but we never outgrow the gospel. No matter how long we have been with the Lord and followed the Lord every day, we come in desperate need of Him for His healing. So uh, I hope wherever you are in your life today that, 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 that this morning as we have a chance to study God's Word, that it'll be an encouragement to you. Um, just a second, I forgot something. Need my little clicker thing here, right? So we're in this series called The Treasure of Wisdom. And and I think as we've gone through this topic of wisdom, it it almost seems like, man, why wouldn't everybody just just flock to godly wisdom? It seems like such a no-brainer, right? Like the God of the universe is telling us how to live and to experience an abundant life. Why wouldn't everyone just so quickly accept that and come to that? And yet we know the reality in our world, the topic of wisdom is extremely divisive. You know, it seems so simple and straightforward, and yet there, there, there are different views on this idea of wisdom that completely divide people. You know, God in His Word tells us that wisdom is something that's found in its source outside of ourselves. God says is wisdom is not something that we figure out, not something that we find. It is something that God has given to us that we can accept and embrace. And so as the creator of the universe, who knows all things, who knows all of us as individuals, who knows how this world works, he's telling us, I know what is going to make your life most fulfilling and flourishing. But that is a source outside of ourselves. Now see, for us, and maybe if you've been following the Lord for a while, that's not a hard reality to accept. But for the people in the world and the people who don't have this background of God, what we just said is complete foolishness. The wisdom of our world says wisdom is something internal. It's something that each of us as individuals find, create, and discover for ourselves as individuals. That all of, you know, the world says what may make me happy and fulfilled is different than what's going to make you happy and fulfilled. So each of us just needs to pursue our own thing and find our own way and find our own happiness. And now, all of a sudden, we have become the source of wisdom. We have become the source of finding our own fulfillment and flourishing. Now, to the world, that message makes sense. It makes sense to the world that every individual has to find their own truth, to find their own reality. So you see here how clearly this is dividing us. This topic of wisdom divides the world so clearly. And so the world outside is looking at what we're doing here. The world looks at the church, they look at God, they look at the Bible and think it is completely irrelevant for my life. I think the, the Bible has nothing to offer me because I have to find my own truth. And, and who, what, what does it mean that God is the source of real wisdom and he's offering me a way that I'm supposed to follow? That just doesn't even make sense. 
So the world's perspective and God's perspective are greatly divided. And there are certain topics that really, really, really greatly divide the world's wisdom from godly wisdom. And our topic today is one of those. So we're going to be looking at the end of Proverbs 6. If you want to open your Bible there, I'll have most of the passages on the screen as well. Now, if you've been following us in the study of wisdom, two weeks ago, Rance uh, had a message that maybe you remember with the cereal, right? You remember that illustration? How many of you wanted to go home and try some cereal with salad dressing after that one, right? Now, you remember the topic of that sermon had to do with the idea that when God created the world, he created Adam and Eve. He created a male and a female, and God joined them together through marriage, and he said, these two shall become one flesh, Now, this is a topic that, if we're honest, uh, is very consuming in our world. And sometimes as a church, we think we're supposed to be silent about it. But that is not the case with the Scripture. God's Word is not silent on this topic and has a lot to say about it. And so two weeks ago, Rance walked us through this idea that God created oneness as this good thing. As this wonderful gift that is supposed to take place in the confines of a lifelong commitment of marriage. But when this oneness starts to break outside of those confines of marriage, all of a sudden this really good thing becomes this really dangerous, damaging, and hurtful thing. And then last week, Ethan walked us through this idea that there's things in this world that God hates. And if you remember his topic, the way that Proverbs 6, the beginning of it, lays it out, there's six things that the Lord hates, yet seven things are an abomination to him. It's like this flashing light saying, hey, this seventh thing is the big deal. This seventh thing is the thing that God really hates. Do you remember what it was? Sowing discord. Proverbs 6, 6, verse 19. And one who sows discord among the brethren. The thing that God really hates is things that break relationships. The things that divide and create conflict and create hardships within relationships. Now, what's really interesting, we just went through this long chapter of Proverbs 5 dealing with this topic of oneness. Then it goes on to say, hey, these are things that God hates. And then you know what the Bible has the audacity to do? It goes right back again to this topic of oneness. So here we are again. We are facing this again with another sermon on this idea of God's oneness for us and the desire that God has for us to follow his wisdom when it comes to what we choose to do with our bodies. Now, I understand you may be thinking, why in the world do we have to listen to another sermon on this? The reason you have to is because that's where the Bible goes next. And we really believe in teaching Scripture through chapter by chapter because we don't want to skip what the Bible says is very important. So if God in His wisdom said, this is a time we need to go back to this topic, then we're going to follow what God's wisdom says we should do. And so... But I do want us to see why. Why would, why would God go back to this topic now? Well, if you think about Proverbs 6.19, that God hates things that cause division and conflict, what tool of the enemy causes greater conflict in relationships than our physical oneness? When we choose to not follow God's wisdom when it comes to our oneness, that creates brokenness in relationships in a way that nothing else in this world can. So I think we see why Scripture goes back to this topic yet again. And now I understand that you may be here and you're like, look, I do not want to listen to another sermon on this. That was awkward last time. I don't want to do this again. But I want to encourage you with the why. 
Now, I think throughout our lives, most of us probably would say, you know what, we've had people in our lives who are really good at telling us not to screw up oneness. They tell us just don't go out, don't, don't do it, don't go there, just, just don't mess this up. People are pretty good at that. But what we tend to not be as good at is giving you the why. Why do we want to get this topic of oneness right? Why does it actually matter? Because you know what? The reality is when we are faced with these temptations in life, the only thing that's going to help us to stand in that moment is the why. Why would I choose to do this God's way when everything inside of my flesh is telling me to do whatever I want to do? And so I hope if you're willing to stick with me through this, I think the end of Proverbs 6 gives us the why, which we all need. And now again, Rance reiterated this in a really great way two weeks ago, but whenever we talk about this topic, we understand the reality of this. This topic can bring up a lot of hurt and just, just discouragement and painful memories in our lives. So we want to be sensitive to that. And I think this week, as I've thought about this whole idea of wisdom, a cool picture that God gave me is that wisdom is meant to be a windshield through which we look forward more than it is a rearview mirror that we're supposed to look backwards. Do you understand why that's so significant? Because as God is offering us his wisdom for oneness, he's telling you, look, I don't care about your past. Wherever you find yourself at this moment right now, I'm offering you a window forward of wisdom. Now, when we talk about godly wisdom, it may bring up things in our past. We may easily be able to look back and say, well, that was definitely not wisdom. It may even help us identify why the decisions we made in the past did not go well. And godly wisdom may even bring conviction about decisions we are making right now. But primarily, godly wisdom is answering this question, from this moment in history, how do I move forward? And so no matter your story when it comes to your physical oneness, don't allow your past to destroy this message for you. Rance used this statement, don't allow, don't, don't, don't get consumed by things that God has long since tossed in this deep sea of his forgetfulness. That is an awesome picture to think about. That when we ask God for forgiveness, it's forgotten. God redeems, he restores, he offers us grace to move forward. Don't allow a text like this that's meant to be beautiful and encouraging to stir up all these hardships. Leave the past in the past, and we want to move forward from this moment on. So let me pray for us, and we will begin our study in Proverbs chapter 6. Father, we thank you that the Bible is the most practical and real book that we could ever read. That even though this was written thousands of years ago, Father, it speaks to the heart of our culture today in a profound way. That God, you and your infinite wisdom have offered us a way forward. And God, you've not just given us commands, but you've given us your heart behind those commands. Father, I know that this, this, this is a difficult topic. And Father, I pray that you would bless our endeavor today to know your heart around it. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see your wisdom. And God, I pray that today, no matter if we are doing great in this area or if we are doing terrible in this area, that God, that we would see a path forward and, and that we would see and trust that your path forward is wise and good and right. So, Father, please open our eyes to understand your scriptures this morning and speak to our hearts in a, in a kind and gracious way that only a father can. In your name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart and fasten them around your neck. 
When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you're awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, and this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Now, if you realize how this section of Proverbs starts, it starts basically how every section of Proverbs starts, right? It's the heart of a father pleading with his son to listen to his wisdom. Now, if you know the story of Solomon who wrote the majority of Proverbs, maybe that kind of causes you to pause for a minute. Because if you, here, here's this father writing wisdom when it, when it comes to this topic of oneness. And yet Solomon completely blew it when it came to this area of his life. The Bible tells us that Solomon was a man who pursued a lot of women in his life. And ultimately what happened is they turned his heart against God and they turned his heart towards their false gods. So we don't know when, when Solomon wrote this. We don't know if he's an old man looking back and saying, you know what, the decisions I made were really foolish and they caused a lot of destruction. Son, don't follow my path. But it also could be written from Solomon who knew the right thing to do, but chose to not heed his own wisdom and go down the path that he wanted to go down. Now, if that's the case, I want you to stop and think, what effect will that have on his son who's reading this? His father, who told him the right thing to do, but chose to do the wrong thing, what effect is that going to have on his son as he reads these words? But no matter which scenario is real, what we do know is that God is offering us the right wisdom. And we may know the right wisdom, and we may fail to listen to it in our own lives as well. But here is how this starts. It's this desire for his son to not experience the pain that he's gone through. And it is really important as we see the end of this. Obviously, he's talking to his son, and so he's warning his son about women in in the world that he needs to stay away from. Now, this could certainly be flipped, as Rance mentioned before, to say this is also a message for our daughters to watch out for the kind of men they allow into their lives as well. So as we go into this, just remember this. This is wisdom that applies to men, women, young, old, single, married, all of us. So what does he offer his son. The next verse, Proverbs 6, 25 and 26. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. So as we start to get into the why, why should we follow God's way instead of the wisdom of the world? We start to see something really interesting happen here in this verse. What is happening to the, to the honor and dignity of individuals in this verse? What is happening in the eyes and mind of a man when he looks at a woman and he desires her beauty in his heart? What's happening to the heart of a man when he looks at a woman and he's just captivated by her beauty and all of a sudden he has these feelings of lust and desire for her? All of a sudden this individual woman who is a woman to be honored and cherished And loved, she's being viewed as this object meant to meet my desires. This this means to an end. This thing that I use to get my needs met. Well, this is obviously extremely destructive for our relationships. Look how the beginning of verse 26 describes it. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. Here is an individual, a person... Someone created in the image of God, and this man has the audacity to say, I think you're worth about a loaf of bread. 
When I view you, that's the sum total of your worth and value in my life. What does that do to the heart of God when he sees his children treating one another in this way? Not with honor, not with respect, not with dignity. Instead, we are looking at people as objects to fulfill our own desires. And we are telling people, you are really only as valuable as a loaf of bread. Now, ladies, hear my heart for a minute. There's a lot of men in this world who treat you like you're worth about a loaf of bread. If you're dating one of these guys, please run. This is not what God has for you. You are worth far more than that man is treating you to be. Do not settle. We know the battle of singleness is hard, and we know the desire to have accompaniment is so strong, but do not settle. It is better to be single than it is to be married to a man who's going to treat you with this level of honor and respect. But you see, the woman does the same thing to the man. But a married woman... She comes to this man because she's hunting down a precious life. So here's a woman who's not satisfied in her marriage. For whatever reason, maybe her husband's not treating her well. Maybe her husband's not providing the things that she thinks she wants. Maybe she doesn't have the life that she really desires. And so now, all of a sudden, she's starting to, she's starting to move outside of the oneness of her marriage and saying, you know what, I'm going to find a man who can actually give me the life that I want. Now, what is she communicating about the honor and dignity of that man. He too is really only worth the life he can give me. It's not that I look at him and I just think, man, here is an honorable son of God. No, I really am just concerned with what kind of life can he give me? Can he give me the things I want? Can he finally satisfy the desires that I have? So you see, in both of these cases, both people are looking at the other individual not as someone to honor and cherish, but as somebody to use as a means to their own ends. So when we think back to the idea that God hates things that destroy relationships, do you see what's happening to relationships here when people are thinking in these sinful, worldly, wisdom ways? But there's other people that get hurt in this process too. Verse 34, for jealousy is a husband's fury, therefore, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. How's that husband going to respond to the man who takes his wife? We see here a response that makes sense. The man is full of fury. And when he has his chance for vengeance, he's going to lay it all out there. There's nothing that can satisfy his desire for revenge. He can't be paid off. He can't be bought off. He can't be satisfied with anything else. He wants his revenge. Why? Because the honor of his wife was just destroyed and the honor of himself as the husband was just destroyed. So you see here, the decisions we make with our oneness don't just affect the two people who are choosing to to unite themselves physically. They affect so many other people. They may affect the children, the parents, the grandparents, the friends. Everyone who watches this happen is affected by the decisions we make regarding our oneness. So what do we learn from this? We want to be people who follow God's wisdom for oneness because it gives honor to other people. Now, these people weren't trying to hurt anybody. They were just trying to do what they thought was going to make them happy. 
They weren't trying to say that you're not honorable, but they did say that you're not honorable. You see, the reason we want to pursue God's design for oneness is because that's the only way that we communicate honor to one another. And this includes the things that we think in our minds. This is not just the physical action, but the way that we think about one another communicates you are a person who's worthy of honor or you are really just worth about a loaf of bread in my eyes. See, the world thinks that as long as our physical choices are consensual, that that's all that matters. But God's wisdom says that every time we engage outside of the bonds of marriage, we are destroying the honor of others. You see, when we choose to engage in oneness outside of marriage, what we are telling that person is, you know what? You're not worth fighting for for my whole life. You're not worth committing to for life. I just want you in this one moment. When we choose to to live with one another and treat one another with honor in the oneness of marriage, we are saying you are worth fighting for for life. I'm committing to you for life. It's not just for what I get this moment. You are worth a lifetime of fighting and pursuing because that is how special and honorable and full of worth and value you are. That's how we communicate honor to one another. Genesis 1.27 tells us this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Do we ever just stop to remember and reflect that every single person we interact with in a day is an individual who is created in the image of God? Now, that person may have no idea that that's the reality of their life. That may be the most broken person you've ever interacted with. That may be a person who has zero self-worth and and, and really struggles with their own identity. But none of that changes the reality that every person we interact with in our day is an individual created in the image and likeness of God. That should change the way we interact and treat one another. Psalm chapter 8 says a similar thing. What is man that you are mindful of him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You see, not only did God create us in his image, he took the full weight of his glory and his honor, and he crowned it upon your head. Your head. He says, you are worthy to carry my honor. You are worthy to carry my glory, because that is how special you are to me. And yet we go around and we interact with people and we tell that person who is crowned with the full glory and honor of God, you are worth in my eyes a loaf of bread. You are only worth what you can do to fulfill my desires this moment. You see, we choose God's path for oneness not because it's easy, not because it's what we always want to do, because it is the only way that communicates the honor that is true of every person in this world. Proverbs 6 goes on and tells us another person that we need to honor. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. You see, when we go outside the confines of marriage and our oneness, not only does it hurt other people, not only does it communicate to other people that you're not that honorable, we are also telling ourselves, I'm not really that honorable. We're telling ourselves, I'm not worth fighting for, for someone's life. 
I'm not worth someone committing to for life. I'm really only as honorable as meeting their needs in this very moment. That's the significance of my worth. God doesn't want us to have that feeling. God doesn't want us to experience that level of hurt. He's saying you, not just them, but you are worthy of this same honor. So we want to follow God's wisdom for oneness because it gives honor to ourselves. And some of us need to hear that. Some of us struggle with feeling like we are honorable, like we are worth someone committing to for life, like we are worth someone fighting for. But God says you are. And we want to make choices in our life that reflect the reality of how God sees us, not how the world sees us. 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee sexual immorality because every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, this verse is not saying that sexual sin is just worse than anything else. And sometimes I think that's the message the church communicates. If you screw up in this area, you're, just, you're the worst person ever. That is not how God and his grace and, and the whole idea and understanding of sin works. That is not true. So this isn't saying that sexual immorality is the worst kind of sin, or it's not saying if you've messed up here, you really can't recover from this. But it is warning us that there's something unique about this type of sin. When we choose to step outside of the confines of marriage and we share our oneness with other people, that can hurt us in a way that other types of sin does not. That can affect us to the very core of our being and it begins to really hurt and damage our, our identity and our understanding and our value of self. Now that can be redeemed and that can be restored because God heals and God heals fully. But it doesn't mean that these hurts are going to be meant to be taken lightly or something that we recover from quickly. So God is warning us here that, that this can be hard for you and I don't want you to experience that. You see, when we, when, we, when we share of our oneness, it doesn't just leave us feeling guilty, it leaves us feeling crushed. When our oneness is used by someone else who we really think loves us, but in that moment we recognize they were really just using me, that leaves us feeling confused and deeply hurt and questioning our own worth and value. That's the power of this part of ourselves. And God wants us to follow his wisdom here because he knows the hurt that it will cause and the division that it'll bring. But I want you to see what's so important by these next verses. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? Do you know why it's so important that we fight to pursue God's wisdom for oneness? Because other people in our life may not fight for us. Other people in our lives may not be willing to commit to us for life. But there is a God who is willing to fight for you and commit to you for your whole life. Regardless of how bad you fail, regardless of the mistakes you made, regardless of how bad your circumstance is right now, God is saying, I am with you, I am in you, I will never leave you and never forsake you, I am committed to you for life, and I will always, always fight for you because you are worth it in my eyes. Every individual who has placed their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, who has received the free gift of salvation is now a temple of the Holy Spirit, that God himself is dwelling in you. You know, people in our life, they may dwell with us, and when, when, we, when we don't do what they want, all of a sudden they're gone. 
God says, I am dwelling in you and I will be there until the day that I bring you home to myself. I am never going to leave you. So maybe you have never had a relationship in your life where somebody fought for you in that way. Maybe your parents never have fought for you in this way. God is saying, I am fighting for you in this way. That is how valuable you are to him. Don't get caught up in the feelings of a moment where you think this is going to bring me satisfaction. God says after that moment, is, moment of happiness is done, what's going to happen is you're going to feel hurt and confused. But there is a God who says, I am with you. I am steadfast and I'm not going anywhere. If you trust me, I can satisfy every desire that you have. You are worth the honor of being one with someone who is committed to you for life. You know, the reality is there's a lot of ways and there's a lot of relationships where maybe the husband and wife are committed to each other physically, but they don't actually live with one another with honor. Do you know that's possible? It's possible to not step out the physical confines of marriage and still not treat your spouse with the honor that God is calling us to treat each other with. And there's a level of this that regardless of if we're married or if we're just friends at church, God is still calling us to treat one another with this level of honor. As an image bearer of God who is worth committing my life to. That's why we fight for relationships in this church. When we hurt one another, we don't just say, fine, they're gone, I don't care. No, we say we are fighting together for life because that is how valuable and important God says relationships are. So even when it's hard, even when we run, want to run, even when there's flip friction and conflict among us here, God says fight for it. Because my family is a family who fights for life because that is how important every individual in this body of believers is. But verse 20 here tells us that there's another individual who we can hurt in this process. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, So glorify, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You see, following God's wisdom for oneness, I want to do that and I want to choose that because when I follow God's wisdom for oneness, it gives honor to God himself. Do you see how this works? You see, the wisdom of the world tells us, you know what, my body, my choice. It's my body and I can do whatever I want with it. As long as nobody else is getting hurt, that's all that matters. God's wisdom has a very different message. God says your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. I paid for you with the cost of my son. So glorify God in your body. See, the choices we make with our body have an opportunity to reflect God and to glorify him and to bring him great honor. When we choose to follow God's wisdom for oneness, we are pushing back against the false narrative of this world that's leading our society into the chaos that we experience today. Do you understand that? When the world is following the wisdom that they are following, do you understand the chaos that's happening in our world right now? We don't have to get into it. We don't have to name the headlines. You know and you can understand our world is in a moment of chaos. And the reason is, is because people have become their own source of wisdom. Everybody thinks they get to determine what is right, what is real, what is true, what's going to help me to find fulfillment. When we as a body of believers choose to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to honor God with my body. I'm going to live as though my body is not my own, but it's his. I'm going to live as though my body is an opportunity to bring him honor and glory. We are pushing back against the false idea of the world that's leading our world into chaos. 
And instead, when we choose to fight for this and we choose to live in God's wisdom, we are telling the world, no matter how broken and hopeless your situation is, God has a better way forward. God has a path for you. No matter what you've been through in your life and what decisions you have made, God has a path forward that you can experience the honor that is rightfully due to you. But when we as the church kind of fail in this area and we're kind of wishy-washy on following God in this, what we're communicating to the world is, you know, we don't really have an answer either. We feel the same struggle. We're trying to figure out what, what gives us value and worth as well. So let us know if you figure it out. That's not bringing glory and honor to God. That's not pointing people back to the creator who is their only source of hope. This is a powerful opportunity that we have. You see, when the world sees godly marriages flourishing, they can begin to believe that God really can redeem their broken situation, that God really can bring healing. When God sees husbands and wives committed to one another for life and living together with honor, it tells the world, you know what? I'm worth that too. I really am worth someone treating me that way. I don't have to put up with this thing in my life. God says I am worthy of honor in my life as well. And when the world sees single men and women fighting to live with purity in a world that has given up the fight, it helps them to see that they are worthy of being treated with that same honor by others as well. And that they are worth being fought for and they are worth the constant daily battles that these individuals are facing. But when we choose to give in and just follow the path of the world, what we're telling the world is we have no hope for you. We have no answer. We have no path forward. But God's wisdom is a windshield through which every decision we make can bring us the experience of God's flourishing and fulfillment. So all of us have had very different journeys and experiences in life up to this point. Maybe your story is one that you know you have followed God's plan well for your oneness and if that's your story, we, we rejoice with you and we thank God for the choices that you've made in your life. But maybe that's not your story at all. Maybe your story is not one of following God's oneness. And maybe, maybe you, have, you have experienced the wisdom of the world. You've experienced the hurts of the world. God is pleading with you this moment saying, hear me, I have a path forward for you. I have a way forward that can bring healing to you. I have a way forward that can restore the broken feelings that you have right now. What lies in the past is the past, but from this moment on, every one of us has a choice to make. Even those of us in marriage can say, I'm gonna live my marriage for the honor of my spouse. I'm gonna treat him or her with the dignity that they are worth. So what's the why? Why do we fight this battle that's really hard? Why do we choose to do it God's way when we really just honestly don't want to? Because when we follow God's wisdom for oneness, it communicates to others, to ourselves, and to God that you are worth the honor of the fight. You really are a precious, image-bearing child of God who is worth lifelong commitment and lifelong dedication. That's the why. In the heat of the moment, when we want to fail in this area, we want to follow the feelings of our heart Remember the why. You are worth more, and we can honor God in a profound way by the decisions that we make. 
So may we be a church who doesn't fall into the lies of this world, that we can all choose our ways and somehow everything will work out right. May we be a church who stands on the wisdom of God, even when it's hard, that we fight for others and we fight for relationships because that is what brings honor to people and to our Father. This is a hard battle, but together we can do this. We can encourage one another to keep up the fight. You are honored by the God of the universe. Don't let anyone treat you otherwise. Let's pray. Father, it's a profound reality that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we know our own hearts, and in our minds, that makes no sense that you will be willing to walk through the the horrible decisions that many of us have made with our pasts. But yet, Father, you commit to us that we are worth it. Father, I pray for every individual heart here in this room. I don't know how they're feeling at this moment. I don't know if they are encouraged by, by your view of them or if maybe they're still really struggling to believe that or maybe, maybe they're so surrounded by other messages that they just can't wrap their mind around how honorable and valuable they are to you. Father, I pray that you would take this truth and just break down the barriers of their hearts and their minds. Now, Father, we would leave here convinced of our worth and our value because of you. Father, thank you for your redemption. Thank you for Christ. Thank you, God, that he has come and he has made a way of salvation that can bring healing to the most painful things that we have experienced in life. Father, I do pray for every individual in here. I pray for the marriages that we will be men and women who honor our spouses. I pray for the singles, Father, that those who desire a spouse, that you would bring them one and you would bring them one who would honor them well and that together they could glorify you and build your kingdom in a very special way. I pray for them as they fight and they wait. God, strengthen them in this time. We know it's hard. Father, I pray for those who have lost spouses and they, and they, they hear about this oneness and God, their heart just breaks for the things that they are missing. Father, may you satisfy and care for them in a way that only you can. Father, we know they miss the physical touch and affection of their spouse, but Father, we know that you and your presence in their life can bring healing even to those, those people who are just devastated by loss. Thank you, Father, for being exactly what every one of us needs. God, may we trust you. May we choose your path of wisdom for our oneness so that we could not only experience flourishing that you would have for us, but so that we could communicate the honor of your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.